This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I believe with every fiber of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown. We have 176 days until the 31st of October and we have 15 days until the European elections, which only yesterday we had confirmed were going ahead as it's been declared there is not enough time left to complete the ratification of Brexit before uh, the EU Parliament sits. So it's going ahead, guys, although I think maybe we, we all already knew that. Uh, this week we're joined by Joe Barnes, our Brussels correspondent, and Thomas Hunt, video news editor. Guys, are you ready? Very ready when you are. Okay, so we've said this before, but this could actually be maybe a pivotal week for Brexit, couldn't it? Um, The cross-party talks are happening and it did feel basically until last night when I started writing this script that there was quite a lot of enthusiasm and there was quite a lot of, there was like a big concerted effort from both sides to try and get a deal. We had um, this great kind of Bloomberg right through that um, even Seamus Milne was getting very engaged and there was all this nice cooperation between Rebecca Long-Bailey and uh, Greg Clark over kind of workers' rights and Michael Gove and the lovely Sue Heyman had been talking about the animals and the environment and it felt like there was this kind of nice like collegiate cohesive and kind of very determined effort to maybe come to a compromise and then this morning it feels very much like it's fallen away and um, the customs union compromise has become a sort of temporary customs union until the next general election and it all just feels like the red lines have hardened and we're not getting anywhere. Am I being a pessimist or have we got reasons to be cheerful? Thomas Hunt. I said i've said for the last few weeks and i i think that these talks are going to reach an impasse and probably already have that they're not going to do you to think get today to. they have i think i think they they've gone through so a labor source came out and said that talks were tense and robust now to me that doesn't strike <laughs> me as oh yes let's no. <laughs> this is going well um and also said that the government and by that theresa may was still being disingenuous regarding her uh customs union arrangements uh, and what okay. she wants and her her willingness to change i think very much that labor feel they need to stay in it because it looks good for them it looks like they are at the heart of power and it looks like they are able to pull some strings well it kind of felt like they were almost given the reins to determine the exit kind of when you know when she, when he was invited in for you know, sugar-free biscuits and all that kind of stuff. It, it did It did feel kind of significant and that, like, she was kind of acknowledging defeat and that she needed him more than he needed her. And that was kind of cool. But so, but now they're kind of, they've got involved in their hat. They've got to kind of stay well, it's almost, in it's the al- loop. Almost as if memories don't last for it. We, from Friday, terrible, historically awful results for Theresa May mm-hmm. in the local elections. And Corbyn. And Corbyn. <laughs> uh, and it sounded like over the weekend, we all, all the, sensible minds were thinking oh this is going to push them to an agreement Mm -hmm. and everyone seemed to forget that actually this is Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn (laughs) in a room together and yeah they sat down yesterday all the the, everyone was rosy in the morning and they turned around and said came out 
with mixed messages, but yeah. it doesn't sound like we are close to an agreement. Really? I'm not sure if Joe disagrees. Look, I've, I've sat through enough negotiations between the British government and the Commission over the last year or so, and when the term robust comes up in, in diplomatic speak, it means something's going on, but in reality, nothing's going on. So I think the, the kind of the media reports coming out of the talks were based around a temporary customs arrangement, which is essentially a temporary customs union, but without that toxic name badge, because the Brexit party, Nigel Farage, are really living it up, saying a customs union isn't Brexit. So they need to change the name. And so the, the, kind, the, the kind of premise around this is they're looking at this temporary customs union until the general election in 2022. This gives alignment for goods and workers' rights to keep Jeremy Corbyn pleased, but then it essentially gives the next Conservative leader and then Jeremy Corbyn a chance to campaign. So one can campaign for a soft Brexit, then one can campaign for a hard Brexit ahead of the next uh, general election, and then people can vote in what, what is going to be another proxy Brexit vote on what kind of future relationship they see with the EU. And how is this, how are the kind of cross-party talks being received in Brussels on your patch? Is, you know, would they be up for a customs union? I mean, one would think yes, because it's kind of obviously a softer Brexit than the one that we'd maybe been bandying around before. Are they optimistic that, 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 it, that they might pay off? Like what, or have they just kind of disregarded the whole thing like Thomas has? So look, on the EU side, they're really hopeful that cross-party talks are the way forward and how that Brexit's delivered. But you've got to remember on the continent, countries are more likely to have these grand coalitions where you actually have cross-party engagement rather than a two-party system. So maybe the hope's a bit kind of premature. But as, as for a customs union, Michel Barnier has been saying if Britain wants to evolve its red lines and be more ambitious, which by that he means do you want to sign a kind of a customs union and single market deal, then Brussels will happily accommodate that. And I've, I've been, I speak to my kind of my sources over here, and they, they think a customs union can be included in the political declaration of the future relationship within a matter of hours. So they, they, like, they are, they're excited by these talks. They, they think if they do get an agreement, Brexit can be fixed very quickly, even with the possibility of Britain uh, being outside of the EU before MEPs have to take their seats in July. But Joe, is, isn't it... Isn't it more that the a customs union is a, a term that we sort of will, will repeat and use? But actually, isn't it that the argument is about the bespoke version of whatever it could be, keeping the same, keeping changing it completely, coming up with something completely new, or going along the lines of exactly what the EU have in place already? And actually, isn't that what they're actually arguing about? This is this this is it a a. Customs union is just a trading mechanism, which is a, it's just an agreement between two regions, two countries, a block or another country where you do, where you do trades in between. It doesn't facilitate fully the free movement of goods because that's, that's what, how the EU uses the single market. So it would be bespoke. It wouldn't be not necessarily in the EU's customs union. It would be a customs union like Turkey and the EU have a customs union but it's not the EU's customs union. So it's, it's, it's slightly different in that regard. But there's a few, there's a few pickups from the cutoff point in 2022, where essentially in the withdrawal agreement, there is already a transition period, which sees Britain 
inside the EU single market and customs union until December 2020. But there is also an opportunity to extend that till the 31st of December 2022. So is, is Theresa May using this temporary customs arrangement as a bit of a stitch up and a cover up as a way of taking us further into that hated transition period? Maybe. But then, then if you even look at it, the backstop is a form of customs union or customs unions. It's got two in it, essentially. So is is this this going to be the, the backstop rebadged? That's that's how you've got to look at this agreement, I think. Um, and I think people in Brussels are still slightly sceptical. They're obviously pleased that it's producing this idea of a soft Brexit, but they, the details st- still haven't emerged. And um, we do know uh, Stephen Barclay, the Brexit secretary. He's going to be in Sibiu in Romania, where um, EU, EU, the EU27 are meeting tomorrow afternoon for a post, their first post-Brexit Future of Europe summit which is slightly strange because Britain is still in the EU. Is Brexit on the menu? Are we talking about Brexit tomorrow? Are they talking uh, about Brexit? No. No, so Brexit's completely off the menu. And um, if you, say, take it in context, I was I was speaking with a, a member state ambassador the other day and they were saying, look, it, we're absolutely clear the EU has wasted enough time on Brexit and it's far more important that, they, that the EU now focuses on the next five years, um, how they're going to solve the future migration crisis, who is going to be the president of the commission, who is going to be the president of the council, and how, how do we move forward? Joe, is that not people, because they're, people, they're scared of talking about Brexit because of the EU elections and the fear that other populists around Europe will grab it and use it as a, a stick? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. There's, there's been a, a kind of an executive decision not to speak about Brexit um, during the, during this election campaign. Um, and we, Michel Barnier has been kind of going around giving speeches where he mentions Brexit, but it's very much in passing. He will, he is giving his vision of a future of Europe, which is almost his pitch to become commission president. So just back to the kind of cross-party talks and kind of what that would mean for Brexit here. Like, is the customs union Brexit a palatable Brexit? You know, if they do, if if for some reason kind of all optimism resumes and they do come up with something, is it going to split the Labour Party over a second referendum and split the Tories over, you know, them doing a deal with a with a socialist? I mean, it's it, like what's worse, not delivering Brexit or delivering this Brexit, Thomas? I I think the the key bit that we seem to have glossed over at the moment, and Joe insinuated it by saying that for the next prime minister or the next leader of the Tory mm. party, but I think that's the biggest part. We cannot. I cannot see a, a point where Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn are standing on steps of number 10 does together, feel an unlikely waving, <laughs> waving some piece of paper saying, yeah. oh, we've come to an agreement, yeah. we will put this to Parliament. Because sim- quite simply today, probably the biggest news bit today is the 1922 committee mm-hmm. chair, uh, Sir Graham Brady, meeting with Theresa May. Was that yesterday they met? He, he's meeting her again oh, today. Again today. Because oh my, he, a follow up. Today is a clear, they're getting a clear date. That is apparently his mandate from the 1922 right. committee. And actually, is Theresa May even going to be, which she could come, the, the most, the, the classic part of this whole process would be Theresa May reaching an agreement with Jeremy Corbyn and then being removed that day by the Tory party. And then that agreement being null and void. And actually, well, I yeah. think it would be the perfect way of summing up the Brexit process. And so from my kind of conversations with people in the Labour Party, this is, one of the reasons why talks haven't moved as quickly because you have you have people um rory stewart did the broadcast round on on sunday and he said oh there's a was it a matter of inches or a matter of millimeters between what 
Labour and the Conservatives see working. But what I'm being told is that Labour are yet to see a genuine commitment to the change and the evolution of the Conservative vision for Brexit. And Jeremy Corbyn's not going to see a temporary customs arrangement or temporary customs union as a victory for himself because it's just going to get un- like kind of thrown in the bin, scrumpled up and cast into oblivion by Dominic Rabb, by Boris Johnson. Even well, I think, even yeah, I think I mean, Jeremy Hunt... But um, Joe, is, is the point not that whatever agreement they reach... It will, could be thrown in the bin anyway because the next Tory leader, be it a Boris Johnson, comes in and says, as if I'm listening so. to Jeremy yeah. Corbyn. Yeah. Um, and actually, you could turn around and say that if this if this picks up traction today, if the 1922 committee go back and say Theresa May's answer isn't good enough for us, I think the reports yesterday are they were one vote away and Graham Brady as chair had the deciding vote and apparently the rules are that he normally has to go with the status quo yeah. in that situation. And if that's the situation there and she turns around and says, oh, I want to stay until Christmas, mm. they're going to turn around and say, I'm sorry, Teresa, we are changing the rules. You are going to go. Because there's even this week a vote from Tory members. Yeah, this this emergency who, summit, who, right? Who and could, no confidence, yeah. And which yeah. doesn't hold... I mean, she could very well still look at that and say, oh, no, thank you for your input. But... I think we could very well be in a position where there is a new leader in place before the summer starts. Right. So before, maybe even before the EU elections. Yeah. And then this Jeremy Corbyn, this deal and the whole Brexit from this whatever the EU... is a waste of time. The EU's not talking about it will suddenly... Mm. Okay, so just so to kind of close this off, we're saying cross-party talks, is, there would be enthusiasm for the outcome in Brussels because it's a softer, more palatable Brexit. We're saying it does not feel very workable over here. And even if something did get achieved, the chances are it would all be kind of filed under no thanks because we'd replace Theresa May with an other leader who probably wouldn't have much truck for whatever was agreed. Is that a fair summary, chaps? I, I, I think so. It's... it's... So Brussels, Brussels loves the idea of a customs union and a soft Brexit because it keeps supply chains flowing for German car, the German car industry, keeps the port of Calais free and stuff. But is it palatable in Britain? Not, not according to Nigel Farage, who's currently running the running the Brexit debate in Britain. Well, that's a perfect segue because I wanted to now talk about um, the EU elections because we're all getting very excited about yet another festival of democracy. I do hope everyone that's listening has voted because um, has registered to vote because it was the deadline yesterday, wasn't it? Um, and the era, how many how many people? Seven million, eight million people wobbling the, the around. Eight million, so hopefully that has. Well, that's basically everyone that listens to this podcast. So hopefully we've sort of resolved the franchise issue uh, ahead of the fifth. When is it? The twenty third of May. Uh, May. 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 Sorry. It's going to cost 150 so made, million pounds. Yeah, they're t- taking place in Britain on May the 23rd, and we will find out the results on Sunday the 26th. That seems a bit of a gap. Who's got to count these? Quite a few countries, aren't there, involved? <laughs> um, okay, so you just touched on it. Nigel Farage is kind of running, he's running the whole thing over here. Um, they're just going from strength to strength, aren't they? And they're even looking toward a general election. Did you see that they're already recruiting for candidates to run in the GE, whenever that will be? They so, want a candidate in every single constituency. Yeah. So they don't want any p- person unable to no vote for Theresa May. <laughs> yeah. And they're what stealing all the Tory product. donors' money as well. Isn't that, they, as he announced last night. Okay, so they're not doing, they're doing brilliantly well. Change UK are having a bit of a mare. Um, haven't even got a logo on the ballot paper. The reports today, they've changed their name again. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so we've got uh, European election fever over here. Um, based on kind of the interesting results from last week's local, um, where yeah, the Tories and, the, and Labour kind of suffered 
pretty significant defeat. And the Lib Dems were not dead. They were just asleep and they're now back in a big way. Um, what are we forecasting? What are we going to see? Are we all, I mean, is, is, is now the kind of de facto Remain vote to the Lib Dems? Do we just kind of write off the sort of Change UK, Remainer Alliance, hashtag can't tweet uh, body because they just can't get their stuff t- together? Like what do we, I'm fascinated by it now. I, I, mean, I think... Them, I, I think I said previously that I thought the Brexit party would win in comparison, would get the largest vote comparatively to the other parties. But mm. I will now, I think, increase it to I actually think that obviously in the local elections, there wasn't a Brexit vote. No. You could argue one way or another about UKIP, but no, there wasn't. How did, I mean, they, they were did, kind of they, nowhere, weren't yeah. uh, they? They are, as Farage said yesterday in his speech, he would like them to disband after these elections. I think he said they are, they are on... <laughs> A non-existent yeah. party. Yeah. Um, but the interesting bit is a report yesterday from Tory grassroots said three in five Tory members are going to vote for the Brexit party. Right. Now, that if if they're the silent group right. who have not so far joined up to the Brexit party or campaigned or gone to any of the rallies, that could be a huge... And currently the Brexit party are polling on about 30%. Good grief. That could push them to 50 yeah. That could push them to a majority... Well, even Heseltine the, was on Newsnight last night, right? Saying that he's not going to vote. I mean... It's... And, and we then have this silly situation where the Lib Dem and Change UK and maybe Labour and the Greens... And the Greens. Have, ...will split yeah, the, it's, the, it's, the vote. In, and the won't... I think if, if the Brexit party, if they're able to feel the candidate pretty much everywhere which they claim which at the moment they, they, have, they have the momentum to do then i yeah i would total wipe out but the opposite it, it, <laughs> filling all looks, the seats i i think the i think the eu should should change their tack rather about not being scared of farage yeah joe yeah so joe what's like what's the word over in brussels about um the european elections has brexit been a sort of doorstop issue doorstep issue for kind of candidates over there are they you know is brexit kind of on the leaflets and at the forefront of all those candidates mind or are we not mentioning brexit like what's i can't what's the what's the vibe no so basically parties and pro-european candidates um who do generally dominate traditionally dominate the european parliament um have basically taken this executive decision not to speak about brexit because because they see the european union as the next five years rather than just the next six months before we apparently leave on the 31st of October. Um, and say I, I was speaking with uh, Dutch MEP Sophie Interworld, and she was like, look, there's no reason for the EU to be worried about any Brexit Party MEPs or Nigel Farage. So, and she said, Nigel Farage had been in the European Parliament for 20 years. He might have been a bit noisy, but he's never successfully disrupted the European Parliament. Oh my God, so, I think that sounds very dangerous. What do you think, Thomas? <laughs> this, I think this, this just shows... Wishful thinking. Either the, the naivety or yeah. the arrogance. And I can't work out which one it is. But you, you can't... I mean, Sophie Interval was in had her own issues yesterday because she was accused of a, an expenses scandal. What's she in, done? In or, not, or maybe allegedly done? Well, allegedly, she's received a full amount of expenses despite living... In the so it's meant to be for your hotel costs and other things, oh, no. uh, and she has apparently received since last year almost twenty seven thousand euros. Oh well, uh, thank goodness our elected for, bodies here are above um, any kind of election scandal, <laughs> uh, expenses scandal. What is it? But, is it ten years since our expenses it's, scandal? It's, it's, ten, it's ten years since the story broke yesterday. How, per, God, how poetic! Everything they can it's, do, we can do better. But it's. It, I think it just goes to show that I think there is a genuine feeling that. They have underest- they underestimated Farage 
its impact here mm. during the referendum campaign. And for some reason, they seem to still Continue, be yeah. under. I mean, come on, Joe. Surely you agree. Like, we wouldn't be in this interesting t- these interesting times had it not been for sort of the persistence of Nigel Farage for 30 No, years. no, I, I, I agree. Domest- domestically, Nigel Farage has probably been the most influential politician um, well, post-war than he is. He kind of champions the most cataclysmic decision that's ever been taken in Britain. So there's no doubt about his influence there. But what they're saying here is they're just not really bothered because the Eurosky- like UKIP um, previously, they haven't taken part in the kind of the inner workings of the parliament. But So Nigel Farage sits on the, um, the Fisheries Committee and Giva Hofstadt, his political nemesis, and the Parliament's Brexit coordinator loves to point this out that he's attended like one session in ten years or something like that. So that's that's why they're not worried is because they don't see the anti-EU British politicians take trying to take a proactive role in running the European Union. But is Joe? Is that not the problem? Is that not what we've? Is that the fact that they are looking inwardly, and you've got an election coming up where they could very well be surrounded by populist. Uh, politicians there could be 73 Farages, no, yeah, knocking the, around the corridors of power. 73 Brexit parts, 70 from Italy, Austria and Hungary. You could have a, a large mass of people who suddenly that voice of the annoying Farage is is really rather loud and they're actually able to change decisions. I see at the moment is the, the idea of a Eurosceptic is slightly changing. So Marine Le Pen is not right. She's not running on a ticket in France for national rally. Um, as a ticket to leave the EU, they're now inside reformers. And so Matteo Salvini has said, oh, we don't want to leave the euro, but we we will only consider it once we've not had the reforms that we want accepted. So I think Brexit has kind of focused people's minds that maybe they don't want to go through the negotiations of leaving. So now what they want to do is try and fix the mess from the inside, as they see it. But but fixing the mess, like that is it, that is almost opposite to what people like Giva Hofstadt say he wants. He wants further integration, further employment. He, he tweeted yesterday saying that in a world increasingly dominated by empires, the next five years will be crucial to turn our union into a real union. Ooh. And he said, with increased no, unity and ambitious policies, uh, the clock is ticking now or never. So this that, isn't a kind of, refor- this isn't a reform he, and reduce, it's a... There's no way you could say that Giva Hofstadt wants this sudden, and wants these people to start being able to change things internally. I just think that, again, the EU have closed their eyes to a large swathe of public opinion in various places and are in a position now where they're thinking, oh, we can just get rid of that nasty Farage and his group and the UK and we can all focus on our back to our good old policies again it's just not going to happen I mean underestimate but, um, Farage at your peril now no Joe yes that, that, that yeah that's that I, that I think is a fairly acceptable message to send but the, what they're saying here is look we still managed to get legislation through during the Brexit process while UKIP were here so maybe they are underestimating we don't know but the the kind of the idea is they are not that fussed about Brexit um so they've taken the executive decision not to speak about it during the referendum campaign. So it's very tricky. So, um, so not much for you to do over there at the moment then. Is that what you're saying? Um, well, I'm, I'm writing about kind of fiscal forecasts and the next five years, essentially. The, the, <laughs> the listeners can tune into those articles <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. The, on the homepage. 
Um, okay, fine. So I think that's kind of fascinating that Brexit's become a bit of a non-issue in Europe, whereas it all we, it's all that consumes us here. Um, but I think I'm probably with Thomas in that the idea of sort of just trying to ignore it feels... Um, a little yes I can't decide whether it's arrogant or naive or maybe I think we spent 18 years trying to ignore Farage and And now look at us so we've got PMQs today we've maybe got some well they're not leaking from these cross-party talks are they because the Labour Party have to give all their all the Labour attendees have to give the paper back at the end of the session Um, (laughs) which is incredible we should do that with the scripts in this podcast so our competitors can't get their mitts on them it'll be interesting to see if there's any leaks from cabinet in (laughs) their meeting this morning or whether that's been well and truly uh, Um, yes okay so this week what are we expecting just kind of are we just are they going to just let these cross projects kind of like taper out and us just kind of not really mention them or do you think there'll be a sort of statement where they it wasn't us it was them or whatever i i think it, it very much depends on how strong graham brady's words are to today May today yeah because if, what time is that meeting is that after pmqs once or do we not know my get well normally it's the cabinet meeting then they go to almost straight into PMQ so right. I guess it would be after that He'll but the, at the end. he meant just grab her before she goes maybe in maybe they'll walk nice. you know walk and talk like in West Wing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you've got to go you've got to go she'll, uh, she'll, she'll love, love that, that I'm just sure. before uh, standing in front of the cameras um, I think I think that could very much sway because she she then needs to either completely turn to the Labour Party and say okay okay let's mm. let's agree with this let's do this let's get this through because time we, we talk about I, I don't know if Theresa May even has a clock in number 10 because she doesn't <laughs> seem to ever be too bothered about countdowns and various other things but I think I think then she will really turn around and think uh I need I need something and then she starts I think looking at legacy yeah. because she she this has been her whole thing of I want to be able to say I got that through yeah. I dealt with that and interestingly I read that she is so the e-elections on the 23rd of May Theresa May will overtake Gordon Brown oh God. as the sixth shortest serving prime Aww. minister on the 27th of May. So she has okay. to she has to hang on until then. <laughs> Come on, Theresa. Just to be, <laughs> to, to be, oh, uh, goodness. And I think and I think that does play for all we'll say of country first and got mm. to get these decisions. I do think at the end of the in, in anyone's job, she she is sitting there looking, thinking, I do not want to be thought of as Farage was saying this morning on GMB as the worst prime minister Minister. we've ever had yeah and how much will that spark her into life regarding Brexit well well, when she took to office she sort of stood on the doorsteps number 10 and she had that huge policy around like social reform and injustice and there was all these kind of great highfalutin ideals which obviously she's not really had the time to focus on but so maybe maybe we start thinking maybe we start remembering anything else other than Brexit and that was and I honestly if, if she was being candid in an interview I think she would say I wanted to get this deal done get it through and actually give myself nine months to a year to come up with some policies and, and push them through. She had it, well, she claimed to have a vision. Um, yeah. And it, she, I think some part of her is still trying to cling to that. Yeah. And it's a case of how severe will Graham Brady be today and will he say, sorry, Teresa, this is, we're either, time is up. I can't do any more. <laughs> you either, I've kept The them, cuckoo clock kept, is chiming. I've kept them at bay. Yeah. Joe, what, what about you? Any, any kind of perspicacious insights you've got for us? We are over here to still still waiting for this this mess in Westminster to clear up, and and there there clearly won't be any Brexit until after the European elections now, because um, the EU are very much silent on it. Um, so we are, I think, most people are kind of content with well, not content, they're obviously quite angry 
that Britain are going to stay on to October the 31st. But I think people are looking forward to the June European Council, which is when there's going to be a review session where Theresa May will give the, her EU counterparts a, a kind of a, a little bit of a commentary, a rundown of what, how the cross-party talks have gone and what's happened. Um, and maybe that's the moment where they she gets something signed off so we can leave before July and when MEPs take their seats. But I think the feeling is most people think this is going to run to the 31st of October and then we'll have to have another conversation where we look, do we extend again or do we just say our goodbyes and leave without a deal? Joe, did you go to the Open, the EU Open Day? Oh, God, yeah, Joe! Oh, yeah, yes, I, I went to the EU Open Day. It was a, a there was hour-long queues everywhere, um, so I might have been a bit shifty and flashed my press pass to get in ahead of all the pro-Europeans queuing up to get into the Parliament, the Council, and the Commission. Um, it was it, it was incredible. There was, as uh, Paul mentioned last week, there was um, life-size cardboard cutouts of Giva Hofstadt. But I might have bumped into the man himself and had a little chat with him about the battle between the pro-Europeans and the Eurosceptics, and I'm sure we could probably have a little listen now. People coming from, from the four corners of Europe because there were buses of, of Germany coming, and not ordinary people, many who are following uh, you uh, on, on, on Facebook or Twitter, and then it's uh, interesting to have a contact. And here, if you want, but it's very, uh, it's a challenge. Yep. You can test your uh, knowledge about Europe. Oh, do you think I'd win? <laughs> and so, you see, yeah. the people want to know, uh, okay, I want to uh, join that uh, little game and to know something about, uh, uh, about, about Europe. So I, I think it's quite a good initiative and uh, we do it every year. And do you think, how do you think Aldi and, say, the other more pro-European groups are faring you've got say, the ECR across you which are probably slightly Eurosceptic yeah, well, well I, the, 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 the Eurosceptic group and the most pro-European yeah. group so I think uh, for people it's easy then uh, are you, <laughs> and are you winning the battle of the merchandise do you think with hats <laughs> and no no it's not that's not the most important most important <laughs> is uh, the, the personal contact that I the whole morning got already with them it was quite amusing um, the kind of the go-to gifts and handout for political parties in the parliament is tote bags um and the ENF group, which is one of the most Eurosceptic groups that houses Matteo Salvini, um, it, they were giving out nothing apart from a giant tote bag. So everyone put all the other tote bags in the Eurosceptic tote bag and were walking around with it. Oh my God. European banter is so weird. <laughs> so um, is that a I, 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 I asked this to the Hofstadt and said, "Who are you not upset? You're winning the bat. You're not winning the battle of the merchandise." And he he brushed it away and said, "Oh no." Look, don't worry about it. So maybe maybe that was a sign of defeat from him. We don't know. Oh my god, the battle of the merch. I'm always partial to a USB though. I'm a, I'm a t-shirt guy. Yeah, you know, hand you out some t-shirts. Are. You very much. Um, there were there were t-shirts, hats, um, biscuits, lollipops. Biscuits. Um, who was who paid for all this? The EU taxpayer. Um, so the so yes, the EU taxpayer. So there was, there was about Goodness, seven thousand eight hundred people. Um, I guess including myself, walk, walk through the walk through the doors, um, and they they're very shady on um, giving numbers for this. So I think so we'll, we'll find 7, out in a few weeks. Seven thousand eight hundred people were very shady. Who came um, in cloaks? No, not no, not the not that, but uh, the commission and the council and the wider EU of how much it actually costs them to facilitate this event. But we'll soon find out. But there was um, people were giving out free flags, free posters. So it was it's essentially indoctrinating the next generation of Europeans to be pro to be pro Brussels.
it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. You've you've got to see it, but. Well, I, I don't think, think we'll be. Around. I don't think we'll be invited next year. Actually, maybe we will. Well, no. That's funny. Funny enough, um, there was only twenty-seven countries represented in the council, and Britain didn't even have a table this year. Last year we had a table with a flag, but no one there. This year the table was thrown away. <laughs> <laughs> God, this is so the, sad. The, this is really the, bre- sad. the, bre- the Brexit effects. We're, we're not. In, we're not. We promise not to engage in, in European issues until we leave. Um, just a final thing. Have you seen uh, Cameron's new hot tub? His £8,000 wood-fired hot tub that he's just purchased. I mean, he's a guy who's done kind of well out of underestimating Farage, hasn't he? I mean, the amount of money this guy spends on kind of ludicrous lifestyle accessories is quite something, isn't it? I don't think he's left his shed. So Yeah, I mean, you could just hop from the shed into the hot tub. Is it next to his shed? I he see, I mean, dip, probably dip his feet in yeah. it from the shed. It says that you can it can, it can accommodate up to six people. So you could be in there with your chums or you could just be in there solo with a, with a glass of wine and your memoirs, maybe. Well, because we're, we're still waiting for his book can't we because he's promised to release it after brexit's happened so maybe he spent all this time writing a book and he's never he's going got to a get, long i think he's got a nice extended never, deadline, never going he? to get to release it yeah exactly <laughs> well i have a final plea um we have until 5 p.m on wednesday the 15th of may to be nominated in the listener's choice category for uh the british podcast awards please 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 vote for us i hadn't realized quite how stiff the competition was until uh, thomas hunt kindly took me through the other nominees um and so we do need a bit more help than perhaps i thought um so please do give us a vote consider it a proxy vote for brexit tell them again we are the voice of the 52 percent. you don't need to register to vote you can do it very easily you don't need your id so it should be an effortless we have a logo um so it should be easier to vote for us than change uk um so please do vote for us because we know you enjoy listening to us each week um and on that note i shall say goodbye chaps Bye-bye. See you Thank next you. week. Bye, Goodbye. Joe. Bye-bye. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Brexit The Final Countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review.